Welcome to PSQH the podcast. I'm your host Jay Kumar, editor in chief of PSQH. On this episode, I talked to Rachel Mandel, MD, about using lean management principles to improve patient safety and quality. And now on with the program. Hi, this is Jay Kumar, I'm editor in chief of PSQH, uh, and I'm joined today by Rachel Mandel, uh, who is a physician executive and consultant uh, with a executive leadership experience. And uh, today we're going to be talking about lean uh, management concepts and sort of how they apply to patient safety and healthcare quality. Uh, how are you doing, Dr. Mandel? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Jay. Uh, thanks for being here. And, um, you know, obviously you actually reached out to me because you'd uh, listened to one of the previous episodes where, you know, we sort of got a little bit into lean uh, and sort of high reliability concepts, but um, wanted to drill down, I guess, on on really what lean uh, means for healthcare. Um, so I guess I wanted to just sort of dive right in and uh, have you just sort of talk a little bit about, you know, how important is, is lean to uh, improving quality in healthcare? Sure. So healthcare, as, as we all know, anybody who works with healthcare interacts with healthcare, which is just about everybody, uh, knows that there is certainly opportunities for improvement. And uh, lean is a great way to approach some of those continuous improvement or performance improvement initiatives or concerns that organizations may have. Uh, lean is a, is a scientifically based methodology which has the goal of removing waste from a process and it really focuses on making change that add value to the customer, whoever the customer may be. So lean initially came out of manufacturing so when we say customer people immediately say oh Patients are not are not cars. They're not manufacturing. Well, in fact, there are a lot of customers of this type in healthcare. It's not only the patients, but it's the staff, it's the physicians, it's the administrators. Everybody who's got a stake in what happens in healthcare is can be considered a customer. So you want to make sure that the processes that are happening, the things that people are doing to provide healthcare to patients, that those processes are the best that they can possibly be. And when you really think about it. Healthcare is really just a series of processes, complex ones, you know, I'll, I'll agree to that, but they're still just processes, and processes can be broken, processes can be inefficient, processes can be um, meaningless, they can be repetitive, and again, healthcare has so much waste in it, and we know it's hundreds of billions of dollars of waste, that there's got to be some methodology or some way to approach it so that we can get that waste out of the system and really concentrate on on the goal, which is to provide safe and 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 good care to our patients. So lean is just one of those ways. It's just one of those tools. And there's a whole lot of continuous improvement tools out there, but lean is a way uh, to approach it in a way that actually uh, is common sense and and can be. Um, understood by everybody in an organization uh, from top to bottom. In fact, one of the tenets, one of the main tenets of Lean is to respect the people who do the work. So when you've got somebody who's working in sterile processing or you've got a nurse who's out on the unit or, or a pharmacy tech who's in the pharmacy, if you're going to improve that process, the best way to do it is not to tell them what kind of changes you're going to make, but to involve them from the very beginning in those process changes because they know what they do. They know their processes best. And they can tell you what kind of a change needs to be made to make it work better. And then they would be more likely 
to embrace that change and to be able to sustain that change in a positive way. People don't like being told what to do, especially when they're being told what to do by somebody who may not understand what they do on a daily basis. So when you step back and you take a look at healthcare and you say that a bad patient outcome or an undesirable patient outcome is a defect, which is what manufacturing calls you know, problems that need to be dealt with and removed, is a defect, and that the people who we're treating are the customers. And honestly, I think it's better that you use lean. It, it, it makes more sense to me to use lean in healthcare than it is in manufacturing because your end product in manufacturing can't talk to you. <laughs> but in healthcare, your, your patient can talk to you and say to you, mm, that worked, that didn't work, maybe we can do you know, differently. If you engage your customer in that, in that analysis of your process, your volume stream analysis, you're actually going to get a better outcome because their opinions are important. So I, I think that lean is a great way for any organization to approach their continuous improvement. Uh, there, are, there are hospitals and healthcare organizations out there uh, that are using it and, and really using it robustly across their entire organization. Uh, ThetaCare, Virginia Mason, Hopkins, et cetera. The Joint Commission and the Institute for Healthcare Improvement certainly support the use of lean in, in healthcare continuous improvement and process improvement. And um, for those who, who don't really want to think about healthcare as a series of processes, they really need to because it really is, that's exactly what it is. I mean, if you think about burnout, which is mm-hmm. a pretty big topic right now, we know how much burnout impacts patient safety in a negative way. Uh, studies have shown that 80% of burnout can directly be linked to broken, deficient, frustrating processes. I mean, let's talk about the electronic you know, health record, right? right. That was supposed to make make everything so much better for physicians and their patients. And it's just really added on to, in a lot of places, uh, the frustration, aggravation of those clinicians, adding to burnout. If you could take a magic wand and fix all of your processes and fix all of your electronic medical records and make all of them interface and, and decrease the redundancies and all of the delays and the waits, I can guarantee you that not only would burnout decrease, but your patient safety would improve. So acknowledging the importance of acknowledging what we do as a process or a series of processes is incredibly important. Absolutely. Um, And now Lean's been around for quite some time. Um, Why has it taken so long for it to really catch on in healthcare? That's a really great question. It has taken a long time. I mean, it really became popular in the automotive industry in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, of course, think about Toyota and the Toyota production system. I, I like to, I, I heard from somebody that they, instead of calling it TPS, which is for Toyota production system, that they, they like to think of it as thinking people system. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that makes it a little more relatable. It's just, I, I think it's an educational issue, honestly. I think that healthcare has really dug into this this approach of, People are not cars. People are not widgets and um, don't have the time or don't feel they have the time or the effort to invest in the education. Unfortunately, healthcare does not do a great job at training their people. And there is a lot of training that comes along with this type of a methodology or strategy. Uh, You get new nurses. You get new staff. How much time do organizations really spend in orienting them or teaching them processes? Not enough, that's for sure. 
So I think that those are some of the challenges and the barriers to implementing lean. But there, there's no doubt that there are opportunities here. And certainly with opportunities now with, with COVID, I mean, I, I've been saying recently, unprecedented times offer you, you know, unique opportunities, and, and this is one of them, which is why you and I are talking, because I, I think that there's, there's more of an opportunity now more than ever to, to implement something like Lean and to really improve an organization and improve patient safety. Absolutely, and is it, a, is it just a matter of we haven't come up with the right way to explain how Lean can really help uh, healthcare, you know, to the to the healthcare professionals themselves. I mean, is it is it just a matter of, you know, it just we haven't really done a good enough job of saying this is why you need these processes. I think it's part of it. I think that in order to really move forward with uh, with lean in a way that's meaningful, you need a perfect storm of of circumstances. You need an understanding that things could be better or should be better. Um, you know, maybe there have been some poor outcomes or, or some events that have happened that really shake people up. You need a uh, leadership that's committed to, to implementing lean and, and supporting it and not letting it just wither away. You've got to be able to have some champions in, in every part of your organization, including the clinicians, who understand how it will only help them do what they want to do, which is to take care of the patient, that it's not another task, that it's actually a way to to, uh, to mitigate some of the problems, and it's a way for them to be able to get back to what they really want to do, which is direct patient care. Same thing for nursing. So it, it's, it's people being able to take a step back and understand the opportunity, and then understand, too, that they may not have another choice. I think up until now, uh, especially with the reimbursement model, the way it's been with fee-for-service, there hasn't been a lot of incentive to change. In fact, there have been a lot of incentives to uh, repetition of work or, or, or duplicating work or, or delaying work or having, there was no incentive to decrease bad outcomes or um, defects. But with the shift from fee-for-service to value-based care, I think people are really looking for ways that they can change how they do business, that it's not business as usual. I mean, when you think about the reimbursement model, somebody comes into the hospital for surgery, and they have their surgery, and then they have a complication, and they go home, and maybe they come back to the hospital again, or they're seen outpatient for follow-up complication. It used to be that everybody got paid for that complication, right? So there was no incentive other than saying you want to do the best job you can, and you don't want to see those complications. But when there was a financial, and now there's more of a financial incentive to, to really stop those complications from happening, people are really going to be interested in how can they do that, what makes sense, and how can they maintain those changes. And there's definitely been a push. I think you mentioned earlier that you know the Joint Commission has certainly encouraged the use of lean, and you know CMS obviously is is you know kind of. Uh, you know, uh, mentioned or, or, you know, encouraged people to, you know, improve their, uh, their rely, high reliability. Um, how is, uh, are you seeing an impact? Are you seeing more progress and more acceptance now of lean in the last several years since, you know, there's been a little bit more of a push to uh, get it in there? Yes, I think that people are using lean, they're training more in lean, they're using it for specific projects or initiatives uh, to, to 
meet those quality goals that have been laid out by CMS and other regulatory bodies, as well as them wanting to do the best jobs that they can. I think the sepsis protocol is a great example of that. Uh, you, you have acknowledgement that you've got a problem, that you may not be catching people when they're, they're, they're becoming septic, uh, and uh, you bring together a group of stakeholders, which is part of that value stream analysis for lean. You talk to everybody who's involved in the process, from pharmacy to nursing to, to the clinicians to the lab. You get everybody together who touches that process. You work out the current state which is lean terminology, you plan the future state, which, which is how you want it to be. You do what's called a you know, PDA cycle, which is, is you're planning, you're doing, you're checking, and you're acting, um, and you're implementing your sepsis protocol, you're looking at the metrics, you're determining where the process needs to be tweaked, um, and then you, you keep monitoring it to make sure that, that not only are you doing the right thing, but you're continuing to improve the outcomes and what you do so that, that, that the patients get the benefit of that work and that outcome. So, you know, sepsis is, is a great example. Uh, the decrease in, um, in clapsies and cauties, you know, infections, urinary tract infections and, and central lines is also a great example. Um, the lean concepts that, that go into uh, that workflow is uh, standard work. And I think that some of the terminology from lean may be a barrier as well. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Right, so so standard work is a is a classic lean phrase that just talks about how you take a process and you bring the people together who work that process and you write it down. You explain what is supposed to happen. You use evidence-based protocols and evidence-based medicine and statistics and you say, okay, in the perfect world, this is how we need to do this. And then you teach it. You train it to the people who are doing the work. And it can be changed, and that's the problem. Standard doesn't mean permanent. Standard just means that everybody agrees that this is the way that it should be done, and this is the way that we're going to teach new people on how to do it. But if something comes up, something changes, or if there's a, a clinical issue that impacts it, it can be changed. And again, everybody looks at it and goes, yeah, this is a good idea to change this, or this needs to be done, and then you modify it. But then everybody decreases variation. Everybody does the same thing because you know that's the best way to do it. And it's been an amazing thing in terms of decreasing the number of infections. And, and even if they don't know that they're doing it in the hospital, that's what they're doing. They're creating standard work. They have checklists. We have our operating room checklist for patient safety. That's a, that's a, a tool of lean, okay? Mm -hmm. Make sure that you've done everything that needs to be done. Now. You know, it's a lot more complicated, obviously, than that, and I think that the education around these concepts is really important. Again, people are doing it, um, but they don't even realize how much it can really help them. Healthcare workers are really good at workarounds. <laughs> we, pride, we pride ourselves at taking care of the patient, you know, foremost and primarily, even if that means you know, something, a process is broken, it's not working for us, we can't get something done, we're going to find a way around it. We're going to, to make make it work no matter what. And the problem with that is is that it doesn't fix the problem for the next person. So let me let me give a quick example. Um, I have a latex allergy. I need latex-free gloves. So this is before everybody was using non-latex and that hospitals became latex-free. The supply chain did not account for the fact or did not work well enough so that I would have, when I went to the operating room on any given day, latex-free gloves in my size. 
So there would be occasions where I would come in expecting to do five or six cases and use maybe, you know, a dozen sets of gloves, and they would not have any in my size because the supply chain, the process was not working. Right. Now, not only is that a, a patient safety issue, it's a clinician safety issue, right? Mm -hmm. So you can imagine if the if supply chain is not working in that small instance, then it, it's not working in other places. So the workaround was to give me a huge box of gloves for me to keep in my locker. Well, that's great for me, right? but that doesn't, that doesn't help the next person who comes along who needs those gloves in that size. So really, we needed to step back at that point and say, why don't we have these gloves? You know, what's the bigger fix the, picture fix here? Fix the process. Fix the process, right? Yeah. Don't work around and, and, and just deal with that, that issue in that moment, in that circumstance. Let's fix the process. Because I can guarantee you that everybody wasted time looking for gloves, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and and we're, we're talking about just little tiny amounts of time, waste, frustration, aggravation, and multiply that across an organization, across the state, across the country, and then you really start to feel the magnitude of, of the opportunity that, that presents itself. Um, is there, does there need to be like a rebranding of Lean to some extent to, to help, you know, sort of, um, you know, your healthcare workers and I guess even patients uh, to some degree to understand sort of, you know, the importance of it. Like, you know, I think you, you mentioned earlier that, you know, the, the terminology can, can scare people off a little bit. And I think it's definitely an intimidating sounding, uh, you know, thing, you know, Lean Six Sigma kind of sounds like you need to go to college to, to study it for several years to figure it out. And I know people do, but, um, you know, how do you get that, those uh, concepts across to people? Because obviously it's stuff that, you know, if you're working in a, in a facility, you, you want to improve the quality of care and the processes and all that. But it just seems like it's, it, you know, in a lot of instances, it's kind of, you know, held up on a pedestal and a lot of people, you know, don't necessarily want to get involved with it. Right. I agree with you. And I think that's where the education comes in. And I, and, and I think that it's, it would be really helpful to point out to people when you're talking to them about it, that they're already doing it, mm. that it's, that it kind of demystifies it. It's not as scary. You're already doing it, whether you realize that you are or not. And so there's organizations that definitely have lean departments, and they know that's what they're doing. And lean is different from Lean Six Sigma. Um, lean Six Sigma has has a very prominent statistical component of it, that it's meant to decrease the, the number of defects down to a, a small number. Lean is a, by itself is a little more practical mm -hmm. and um, and and every person every man based people do go through a little train go through a lot of training to get their black belts in lean six sigma and to understand that statistical portion of it uh, that and and all of the the formulas and all of the workflows and how to how to really do the technical part of the assessment and and the data analysis portion of that assessment lean by itself is a little more um, understandable, it's a little more um, uh, relatable to a lot of people. They understand how just doing something simple can make a, make a big difference, how uh, what they're already doing. For example, all the hospitals 
uh, that are working with COVID patients are learning how to don and doff their, their PPE, and they're doing it with checklists. They're doing it with standard work. They're using uh, lean visual management tools to know, you know where they can go and not go. There's, there's, there's marks on the floor that show them where six feet is. Mm. Um, they, they don't realize that they're using those tools. They don't realize that they've actually used those tools a lot in their day-to-day. -day. For example, there's something called um, mistake-proofing or error-proofing, where you've got a visual or you do something that prevents somebody from making a mistake before they even do it. And, and it could be something as simple as color-coding the, the gas spigots in a room. Everybody knows in hospitals, you know, what co those colors mean. Everybody knows what color is, so that you don't accidentally hook somebody up to, to something else. So, They've already got an understanding, without realizing it, of some of these tools and some of these processes. I think we just need to make that connection for them. Yeah. To, to say to them, okay, you've got these basics. You, you understand it. Um, let's see where else we can go with it. Let's see what else we can do to, to make our work environment better and improve satisfaction and improve patient outcomes and, and, and patient safety. And I mean, everybody comes to work, I like to believe, everybody comes to work in the morning wanting to do the best job they can and wanting to really take great care of patients. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's something so simple. So there's another tool um, called 5S. And 5S is a way to approach literally to, to organize your, your supplies. Let's, let's say you got a supplies closet. You're going to sort it, meaning you're going to get rid of the stuff you don't need. You're going to straighten it out. You're going to put everything in a, in a regular way. You're going to make sure that all everything is in, in good shape. You're going to set out a process that people are going to continue to monitor it, and, and that you're going to sustain the way that the supply closet is. Now, if you were to take that concept and do every nursing unit that does the same thing more or less, let's say every medical nursing unit or surgical nursing unit or however they're organized, and you set up the, the supply closets exactly the same way, then all of those staff who rotate, who float, different, different shifts, know where to find everything. And they don't waste time looking for things. So what do they use their time for when they don't have to waste their time looking for things? Well, they spend it where they want to, which is in direct patient care. So they know there are certain things, pain points, that certain things that happen every single day, that if they could get rid of those pain points, that they would be able to do their jobs more effectively. You know, they, they walk in and they go, oh, I can't believe I have to do this again. Oh, I can't believe that this particular, you know, I don't have any four by fours in the closet. Why didn't somebody, you know, tell somebody that we were running out of those? Lean can help them set up a culture or a process for, for addressing all of those. And then the culture kind of creates itself over a period of time. This is not a quick fix. This, this is a culture change. There's no doubt about it. But it fits beautifully into, into the just culture, into the patient safety culture. Lean does not blame individuals. Lean looks at the process. If somebody has a problem or something happens, more than likely, the process was broken. People don't do things intentionally, that there was a breakdown in, in the system. So we, we've already got infrastructure to support it. It's just a question of getting commitment from, from leadership and from those who, who understand that this kind of waste on the magnitude of, of what we're talking 
it's just not acceptable anymore. So when um, you get contacted by an organization to come in and, and help them, uh, are you typically brought in to help with a particular process or is it more overall kind of, you know, let's get lean going throughout the entire facility or is it more just like we've got a real problem with this particular process and we need you to help us or is it both? It, it's usually, it can be both. It can be a particular process. Actually, it could be three things. It could be a particular process. It could be a, a general um, culture discussion, or it actually could be a training. It could mm -hmm. be education. Going into an organization where there may be um, management or uh, uh, unit supervisors or other groups of people that that the organization wants to learn about lean so that it can filter through the through the rest of the organization. So there are really different ways to approach it. Um, you know, lean can be taught in a lot of different ways and we've been doing some, some remote teaching, uh, some remote uh, and video engagements. Lean typically is, from a consultant standpoint, and, and I'm the senior healthcare advisor for Operational Performance Solutions, which is a lean consultant company, um, it's typically very in-person engaging. Uh, you go, you see, you, you, you spend some time working through the processes, you sit down with the stakeholders for a particular process, that's usually the way it starts. There's something that um, really gets people's attention, something happened in the emergency room, something happened in intensive care, there was a medication problem, it, there's an event typically that pushes people mm -hmm. to say we need to change what we do. And then um, they bring in a consultant to help them work through that process. And then after people start to understand it, then they want to know how they can apply it to other things. And that's usually how it takes hold in an organization. It's exciting because people get together and they learn what other people in their organization do. And they find out that there are things happening that they didn't, don't need to be doing or that they all doing the same thing. Or they really start to understand each other. And when they start understanding each other, uh, you really see some amazing things happen. Um. I don't know if there are statistics on this, but and maybe you can sort of ballpark it. Uh, you know, how uh, pervasive is lean in in the U.S. healthcare system? Like, how you know, can you can you estimate how many hospitals are actually using it? I, I know you said you know sometimes they're using it and they don't realize it, but um, you know, any there, idea on that? There are very few hospitals. There are a few hospitals, like I mentioned at the beginning, that really. Uh, use it significantly and it's it's a big part of their culture. There are some hospitals that have lean departments where they do these projects and they uh, make improvements and whether they can sustain them or not is is difficult to know. And there are some there are a lot of hospitals that just don't that are doing some of these things but just don't even realize what it is and don't understand the opportunity. So it's not a very high percentage. People understand continuous improvement, they're starting to understand PDCA they performance improvement in general, whether they call it lean, it's hard to know. Every hospital is doing some performance improvement. They have to right. at this point. Everybody has to, obviously, and in your organization as well as engaged in that type of thing. So, yes, it's there in some form or another in every hospital, but it just varies so much. It's hard to give a percentage. What do you see as the future for, for lean in terms of, you know, getting, you know, getting the word out there. It seems like it's, you know, like like we said earlier, it's been around for quite some time, but it does seem to have momentum now. And 
um, you know, with the focus on quality improvement and performance improvement and, you know, reducing errors, um, it does seem like there is, it is the, a good opportunity for, you know, more organizations to really take these projects on. Do you, do you see that kind of growing as, as we kind of, uh, you know, move into the 20s? I, I do. I, I think we can look at the successes. Uh, and, and hold those successes up for other organizations to look at. I think that because of the financial situation of a lot of organizations and with the shift to value-based care, they themselves will be looking for, for solutions or platforms or models for, for performance improvement. And um, so I think that those things in of themselves will help push things along. It's really interesting. You should never go into an organization with lean and have the finances be the primary goal. The primary goal really is the, the value that's added, the the elimination of the waste, the improvement in satisfaction, the improvement in, in quality outcomes. The the improvements or the decrease in expense or the decrease in costs naturally follow. If you do the right thing for the right reasons, the the, the bottom line will improve because that's just the way it works. Mm -hmm. That's just what happens. And we've seen it happen time and time again. And, and it makes sense, right? I mean, if you cut out of your system the things that don't need to happen and you decrease your bad outcomes or your defects, and you improve the, the efficiency of how you provide care, it, you can't help but do better from a financial standpoint. Lean is absolutely not meant to decrease staff or some people like to use it I'm gonna I'm going to lean my company therefore I'm going to let people go that's absolutely not what it's about and I think that may be a barrier as well people think they think about um, efficiency experts from the 1950s right you know that that concept that you're gonna come in and you're going to eliminate my job that's absolutely not what it's about uh, and in fact it allows people the ability to do their jobs better and for them to really focus on on the work that that is value-added that needs to be done so um, I think that, that as value-based care moves along and people understand more and more about what they have to do in order to be successful and to sustain quality care, that they will accept lean and uh, those, those models a little more um, uh, 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 with more, more interest and are more willing to engage. And really, you know, there can be any number of processes that can be improved. Um, Bileen, you know, I'm sure you've, you know, worked, you know, with many organizations on many different types of things. Well, what are some examples of, of some processes that you kind of helped, you know, improve or turn around? Sure. Well, people always think about uh, uh, the emergency room. They think about throughput. But one of the ones that uh, that really showed significant improvement was uh, the operations for sterile processing, which I mentioned previously. Mm -hmm. uh, sterile processing is probably one of the closest things to uh, manufacturing that people can think of, which I think is why a lot of organizations may start there when they think about lean. It, it's a little more comfortable for them. It's something that they kind of kind of relate to. But um, when you take a sterile processing department and you, and you really take a look at it from beginning to end, including its interaction with the operating room and, and central supply and everything else, you can make significant impact on not only the turnaround time on the instruments, the availability of the instruments, the satisfaction of the physicians and the staff in terms of, of the quality of the instruments, you can decrease as well. The And for them, they do call it defects. You know, what's the bio burden on the instruments? Um, how many packages come to the operating room where there's 
problems with the wrapping or holes or that there there may be missing instruments or that the packs are not what the physicians ask for or what they want. So there's quite a bit of ability with lean and sterile processing to make significant improvements where you improve uh, the turnaround time, you decrease turnaround time by 50%. You increase wow. satisfaction of the staff by by 100 or 200 percent. You uh, you decrease your costs because you know where all of your instruments are. You're turning them around quicker. You don't need to buy as many instruments. You don't need to 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 supplement what you have. You may be able to decrease because you're working better. The the travelers or the contract staff that come into SBD and SBT is so overworked and they they usually are always short staffed. So you decrease. The, the, the amount of money that you're spending on staff to come in and, and augment what you already have, uh, it, it's a win-win-win. And um, that's that's actually a pretty great location for a, a lean project, or at least for an organization if they want to start someplace, because it's just got benefits all the way around. And it's a very important department as well. So It's extremely department yeah. important. And unfortunately, people don't pay attention to it because it's one of those out-of-sight, out-of-mind kind of things. Mm but it's so incredibly important. And um, uh, the OR in general and perioperative services in general just runs so much smoother uh, when your SPD is running well because it impacts your scheduling in the operating room and, and your recovery room and the rest of the hospital in terms of, of inpatients. It, it just really, it's more of a hub than people give it credit for. Great. Uh, well, Rachel Mandel, thank you so much for joining me today. This is a really uh, illuminating uh, discussion about lean. Um, and uh, let's, let's hope things keep improving. Uh, I'm right there with you. I agree. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And that wraps up Episode 7 of PSQH, the podcast. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time. You can find more information about the podcast and listen to on-demand episodes on the show's page on psqh.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Thanks again, and stay safe.